A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I think women need to stop being afraid. I'm not afraid of a lot. What do you think women are generally afraid of? What people will think of them. Who gives a shit? Why do you care what the girl you went to school with that you probably don't even want to have catch up and have coffee with, even though you probably bump into them at Bondi Junction Westfield and say, hi, babe, how are you? We should do coffee. And you walk away and you're like, fuck that shit. (laughs) Like, why do you really care what that chick thinks of you? I'm your host, Natalie Drenovac, and this is The Modern Women a show that seeks to share the stories and experiences of women that may be out of our line of sight. For today's episode, I sat down with Simone Azzi, who is a force to be reckoned with in the largely male-dominated real estate industry. There's an endearing candor throughout this whole episode that I feel reminds all of us of what we can achieve if we apply a fierce and unapologetic attitude towards life, our relationships, and career. As you'll hear, Simone is confident yet openly vulnerable and advocates for the importance of altruism in a society of inequality. It's important to carve out time in our lives for the things that matter most and equally ensuring we make things matter that can benefit society as a whole. For those who haven't subscribed to The Modern Women, be sure to do so now so you don't miss any upcoming episodes and you'll get notified for when they go live. And if you love this episode or any others, Ensure you share it with another modern woman in your life. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm super excited. So am I, actually. Uh, Okay, so let's start with your rapid fires. Okay. If you could live in any location in the world, where would it be? I would probably say New York. I've lived there. It's amazing. I just love the pace of the city and you can we my husband and I have spent 2 months at a time there and you just never get bored. There's yeah. something to do every day. The real estate porn also you would die. Totally. I'm yeah. I'm not quite that wealthy to go and live there, but casual the 40 million dollars for a Tribeca penthouse. It, totally. Okay. What is a female stereotype that you cannot stand? Housewife. What's your favorite way to decompress? I don't have one. (laughs) What do you wish women would stop being told? That they need to stay home and be housewives. (laughs) Who is a key female role model in your life and why? My daughter, because she inspires me every day to be better, be a better person, put good vibes out there and just set a great example so that she's a 10 times better person than I'll ever be. I like that. Most people actually say they're mums. Yeah, mine's definitely not. Yeah. (laughs) 
a whole other story. I don't know if we've got time for that. The honest truth. Yeah. All right. So I was really excited to speak with you because um, I think in the process of actually um, selling uh, when Lisa and I sold our previous home, um, I met so many real estate agents. And then when I started to follow yourself through your charity work, which we'll get into later, I was like, wow, you're such a successful woman in real estate. Thank you. And I just think like if I think of a real estate agent, I always make a joke with the male friends I have who I actually get along with quite well. I'm like, oh, you can spot a real estate agent coming from a mile away, you know, like the fast, nice car, the slick suit, and it just looks like everything's perfect. I actually always wonder male real estate agents have neater hair than most women. Look at what I'm wearing today and look at my hair. (laughs) Yeah, but you're very casual. I mean, that's a whole other story. But I wanted to know for yourself, what has it been like to work in such a male-dominated industry? Oh, for me, it wasn't that bad because growing up, I actually got along better with men than I did women. I didn't like the cattiness of the girls. I didn't like the bitching of the girls. And I've always had more guy friends than girlfriends. Has that been the same ever since? I've I've still got my really close-knit group of girlfriends I've had since school, like 20-plus yeah. years. Um, but they're a small group, like maybe 10-odd girls that I've known like what feels like forever. Um, and I've got equally as many guy friends I've known as forever. So yeah, um, you don't have I'm that just not down with... No. So you've never had any kind of misogyny or sexism or anything like that? I'm too strong for that shit to piss me off or get in my way, to be honest. Okay, so you have, ha- you have experienced it, but then, of course, you... I just brush it off. It doesn't really faze me. I think the issue's with them rather than me, if that gotcha. makes sense. So do you have female friends or do you see other like female colleagues or women within the real estate world have those experiences? Yes. And um, what's generally the advice you wish you could give them? Toughen up, girlfriend. Right. So you think it's more fix the woman, not fix the system. I think you've got to have enough confidence in yourself. You can't change, we can't change the world, right? Yeah. And you can't change other people. You can only change how you react to certain things. Mm. And I just don't want to react to other people's insecurities and what they think. I'm just going to swim in my own lane. Just More people going. need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Swim in your own lane. That would be such a – I feel like it's such simple advice, but unless people actually stop and harness it in and stop utilising other people's bullshit as their excuse, that will never change. I'm not great with excuses. Gotcha. So I I don't like when other people blame their problems, like f- what other people do to them as their problems rather than – I'm not good with weak people. I, I don't know if that is, is that right. a terrible thing to say? No. So this is interesting. <laughs> Literally, I would say half I an sympathize. hour. I sympathize. Don't get me wrong. I'm super empathetic and yeah. I'm like, I will help anyone in the entire world. But if I can just make someone have a thicker skin and tougher and yeah. like, the world sucks. Like yeah. people are fucking mean and the world shit. So, but you've just got to change, I think, how you, in, how you react to those yeah shitty life experiences and you know I guess we can talk about this later but my parents were divorced my mum was a piece of work like we've all had shit things happen in our life I've lost family members I've lost friends but I'm not curled up in the fetal position in the corner of a room blaming all those things on you know where I am and where I'm at now were you always like that I've always been a bit of a tough cookie. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I have my moments, don't we all? Like yeah. where I cry, but I'm a bit of a crier in person. I mean, crier in private as opposed to sort of yeah. a public crier. You might even make me cry on this couch yeah. today. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. But um, 
I'm not great with excuses. Like, yeah. I'm, yeah. So, um, uh, as I was about to say, mm. 30 minutes ago when I was kind of sitting and pondering, I always have this moment where I think, why do I want to really interview that person? Or what is the one thing I really am attracted to or I want to know about them? And the thing for yourself was that you have such a drive and an ambition. And I feel like if more women started to harness that within themselves, we could all be doing a little bit better. I'm no different to anybody else. Yeah. I'm really not. I think it's just finding everybody's got something within them. If you're passionate about something, passionate enough about something or want to make a difference enough about something or mm. want to do something, I, I don't know. I think more people just, like I said, make excuses for not doing those things. Yeah. Um, I, like I said, I'm, I'm not great with excuses. I'm a bit of a tough boss. Like I'm... I don't think I've had more than 10 sick days my entire life. Really? Um, I was back at work six days after giving birth to both of my children. Did you have people frown upon that? Like from a judgment place? Probably. But yeah, I but you just shit. didn't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's just If the anything, I was setting a good example of, yes, my vagina was ripped open and it hurt like fucking hell, but yeah. I have a business to run and a family to support and like the, the train's got to keep going right Gotta keep moving yeah i wasn't in a wheelchair it was just a vaginal delivery <laughs> so this is so on this on this topic then i have a quote from an article about real estate agents and women in real estate oh god and it goes women tend to be perceptive and have a less threatening presence to investors than men they may also be able to glean more information from interviews during the appraisal research process because they are seen as less intimidating than men Women are also gentler negotiators and are skilled at keeping negotiations amicable. And I feel like you have a fire in you. So do you ever temper who you are around depending upon the client or do you think that's true? I think I'm a great people person and I think um, I've learned a lot from my father who's incredibly successful in business on um, learning personality types and how to deal with certain personality types and how to speak with a D personality who's quite aggressive and they want answers on things quite quickly, which is actually me, versus dealing with somebody that's a bit more analytical and wants data. And mm. um, so I think I've learned along the way how to – real estate's all about people, right? Yeah. So actually learn how to work with people quite well. Um, I think – some real estate agents can be a piece of cake, though. Like, there's so many, it's not funny. They are, when we were selling, you certainly, you, you meet a lot of different types of personalities and you just think, it's something I actually want to talk about in the way in which you're spoken to, especially as a woman selling. It was so interesting and the idea that so many of the real estate agents um, were asking us, so is there any other decision makers in this process in a way in which we couldn't have afforded or have the success in which we were, you know, wanting to sell our property, et cetera, et cetera? I think men aren't as great a judge of people. Mm. That's probably such a generalisation. But if that quote was a generalisation, right? Yeah. So I think um, I've lost business f and still do have for years and still do so I've I've lost business um and still continue to do so and you know when you ring up that perspective vendor and say do you mind if I get feedback when you think you've really got that job but mm. you know you're bummed you didn't get it um and they've said oh we really feel like so and so might have been a little bit more aggressive with the sale so comments like that tend to piss me off <laughs> because 
I'm probably just as aggressive as they are, but I didn't need to show you my aggression when I'm sitting there doing a listing presentation across the table. So there are most definitely perceptions of male versus female in terms of those real estate roles. But I think in fairness, there is in every single industry. Um, It's just, again, how you react to those. I can't win every piece of business and I'm not the type that's going to sit there and dwell over it. Um, you know, I just have to try and maybe think of being more assertive next time at that next particular listing presentation. But then sometimes I'll go and do that and it's so not me. Like I'm, yeah. I'm there just trying to get to know somebody and how I can help them in their journey to sell their home and where they're going to and how I can be involved in that process. So it's kind of like that fine balance of putting on that work mask whilst also still retaining who you, retaining who you are. Totally. Like yeah. I'm, I'm there to help. I'm in the people business. I'm in the marketing business of trying to sell something and then I need to negotiate a deal. I don't have to do the aggressive negotiation when I'm sitting at your dining table telling you, trying to learn your journey and work out how I can be a part of that journey and yeah. get you to where you want to be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's it, real estate's a funny game like that. But again, in fairness, I've got girlfriends that are in banking and, and others that are in you know the car industry. So I think there's just stereotypes in every industry. So I don't often let it get to me. Yeah, absolutely. But I think all the stereotypes that you have touched on, I feel like walked through our dining room table. <laughs> and by the time they left, we were like, what is wrong with people? Like, where are they so deluded to not have read our body language or not to have actually listened to all the little bits along the way? Um, so yeah, I was interested in your response to that. <laughs> so uh, because we've made already three jokes since you arrived about what you wear, um, have you seen recently the Ernst & Young article that's floating about? No, I don't think so. So it's all about, I think it was last year, perhaps it was this year, um, an Ernst & Young uh, seminar, let's say, just to you know, generalize here. Um, there were, this guy was dishing out advice to all these women. So he said, um, uh, a woman's brain is like a pancake, so it doesn't retain as much information, whereas a man's oh, is yeah, like a waffle. That, whereas a man's is like a waffle. So therefore, you know, if you imagine a waffle, it's got the little indent, so that's where the, the information soaks in. But the other thing he spoke about was what to and not to wear so you aren't being sexualized. Now, just because of the fact that a lot of your work is within the negotiation realm, I was curious to know if that is in the back of your mind around looking attractive and professional, but also not being sexy, attractive and professional. It's so funny you say that because I'm so opinionated about what people wear, particularly on, say, Saturday, which is our open for inspection day. It's our show day. It's where I'm meeting the most amount of people. And, you know, for me, presentation is somebody's first impression, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't like any of the girls on my team or staff wearing open-toe shoes. I think, you know, in the profession we're in, unless you've got beautifully manicured toes, which I do, um, but others not so much. Um, And that's okay. You you know, you do you, boo, but, you know, cover them up if they're not looking spot on as far as I'm concerned. Um, I'm not big on seeing sort of tattoos here and there on wrists and backs and shoulders when it's at work. I think, you know, you can totally have that in your private life and on the weekends, but people judge you, right? We're in a really superficial society Mm -hmm. where people judge you. I have no issues with them at all. But I just think at work when we're on show, it's not okay. Mm. Um, so yeah. How do um, the women take that? Not that great. Really? So have you had any real adverse reactions to your staff and they're like, why should I? Or um, Not re- I think, again, it's in your delivery, right? Yeah. If you're there to be a salesperson one day yeah. and you're there to, you know, learn and grow and this is what you want to do in your profession, I'm just giving you real life advice. Like mm. I'm not trying to be difficult. I'm not trying to be nasty. I honestly don't care personally. 
I'm at, I'm just trying to put you in the best yeah, it's position. What, it's what others will judge you upon. 100%. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, there's certain rules. I think like, I'm not like, I'm not big on the boobs hanging out of the shirt, really. The spaghetti straps on a Saturday, you know, because we're lifting down, picking up yeah. door stops and boxes. Be and practical like, and professional. Totally. Like no one yeah. wants to see that. And I think when at an open for inspection particularly or in a listing presentation, I'm often dealing with a couple, mm-hmm. a husband and a wife maybe. Um, I don't want the wife being uncomfortable with me being her agent if she thinks her husband's looking at me a bit funny or vice versa. So I think it's just being really conscious that at all times you're making someone feel comfortable. Like me having my boobs out is not going to make anyone comfortable if I'm sitting opposite your dining table, right? Yeah. So it's just, yeah. Do you find there are differences in the relationship dynamics over the years? Like I feel like we're living in an era where women are a lot more assertive now, a lot stronger. And I was curious if that when you go to listings or when you are meeting with couples, if you have noticed a difference when you are dealing with men versus women or, you know, who's more in charge or how, how that plays out for you. It's funny. I think guys get so much more awkward than women do. So quite often if I'm there in front of a husband and wife, the husband will be – and it's me and it's like I'm the female presenting the job – the husband will, will, you know, put his hands in the air and say, oh, my wife's going to make the decisions. Oh, right. So she think, wears the pants in this relationship. Yeah, 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 which I love. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think when it's dealing with homes, I'm quite lucky in the sense that um, women are majority of the decision makers in real estate. You know, quite often the buck stops with them for residential real estate anyway, which is mm. the majority of my business. Um, you know, if the wife hates the kitchen, they're probably not going to buy the house. Yeah. If the wife hates the bathroom, they're probably not going to buy the house. Yeah, she's the so, one who, generally speaking, spends more time there. To, yeah, true. Um, in my house, not so much. My husband is the rock star, superstar house yeah. husband. We are going to talk about him later. That is for <laughs> sure. I want to understand that dynamic. Um, yeah, it's funny. It's funny how that happens. And I do find that the thing I was curious about was when it comes to the staff that you have. Yes. Now, you have – you are very assertive, you are very strong, you are very confident and a lot of the time when women possess those qualities, it's not always seen with uh, sparkly eyes. But do you see that when you have a female colleague – sorry, a female staff member who starts, do you find yourself mentoring them through that process to actually become more comfortable and more uh, powerful in their presence? I haven't really ha- – oh, yes, actually. So I had Genevieve who was my assistant for a couple of years and she started with me in her early 20s, knew nothing about real estate. Um, she was quite green just in general in the world, like being in her early 20s, she'd just move out of home. Mm. Um, she didn't really have a great deal of life experiences and I kind of took her under my wing and actually saw her this afternoon. She's a really good friend of mine now and I love her dearly. She doesn't work with me anymore. She ended up – not being particularly fond of real estate, it wasn't her thing, but um, uh, it was so lovely to see her grow and even to see her today, she just looks so grown up. I felt yeah. like she was my little baby. Um, so yeah, when I get the opportunity, I actually have previously only had male assistants, which um, I like the dynamic for me from a business perspective of presenting myself as a team with a male and female dynamic personally. Um, but Genevieve was my PA for years and it was so lovely to kind of watch her grow into the sophisticated, young, beautiful lady she is now. Yeah, it's kind of crazy when you start to actually – when people start to see themselves and they start to grow into the qualities that they always possessed but never had the confidence to um, – uh, share, I guess you could say. Yeah. So uh, taking a total left pivot, I really want to talk about your charity initiatives because okay. one of the things I first said to you when we were chatting was, I know how busy real estate agents can be and yet you strike me as someone who 
if you want to do something, you just keep going and you just keep doing it, et cetera. And then um, a friend that we both have actually said how even when there was a downturn in real estate, instead of becoming one of those real estate agents who was whinging and moaning about it, you were like, cool, here's what I can do. Here are these other things that I can bring into my life as opposed to having it as a huge problem. But due to you using your responsibility with your knowledge and privilege to advocate and make change, um, I know you've done a lot of work with men's health and suicide prevention. Yes. Um, what was the driver for this? Um, so a few years ago, I lost my brother, Christopher, to suicide. Um, he, losing him was pretty traumatic. But in saying that, I was literally back at work within 24 hours because I didn't know how to cope, if that makes sense. Um, or I didn't know what else to do. Mm. Um, so I kind of threw myself straight back into work. He would never have wanted me to sort of sit there and cry and look about it and curl up again into sort of the fetal position in the corner. Um, a few years after he, maybe two years after he passed away, I was feeling really unfulfilled with work. Like I deal with money, I deal with greedy people every day. Um, my job can be quite emotionally as well as physically exhausting dealing with that. You know, if something's not if I can't sell something for a particular price that vendor wants, then it's always my fault. Someone's got to point it's, the finger, right? It's always the real it's estate agent's fault. It's always the real estate agent's 100%. fault. Like, why did no one come to my open house? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's my fault. So it, it does take its toll and I wasn't feeling fulfilled with my job, but I still love my job. So I decided to do something for other people. I was literally watching the Today Show getting ready for work one morning and it was homeless um, homelessness week. And I actually didn't realise how big of a problem it was in Sydney and Australia. And thankfully, um, we are actually nowhere near as bad as places like the States um, and even some European countries. Um, but it's still not great. So it really just resonated with me that morning that I sell beautiful homes to very lucky individuals who can afford to buy them. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's people that can't even afford a meal or put a roof over their heads without some kind of government support or, mm. you know, trying to find a bed to sleep in that night. So literally in 24 hours, I had decided to do my first homeless event, which was approaching some of my local businesses um, in Annadale and contacts that I had to put on like what went from one table to like four tables of food and toiletries and shoes and clothes. Like it just kind of snowballed because one thing's never enough for me. Um, and that was my first event. And then literally two months later, I did the big Christmas feed and we're entering year three of the big Christmas feed now. So um, it's something I absolutely love and have no time to do, but I make the time and um, it makes me feel really good. It makes me smile. It makes me feel like I'm setting a really good example for my family and my kids. And Do they know, participate with you? My daughter comes down. Yeah, my, my husband comes down. My girlfriends come down with their kids. Mm. Um, my godson was there last year. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a family and friends affair. So many incredible businesses have been involved. It's been amazing. And the power of social media has actually really helped me do that and reach out to um, some incredible people like Pip Edwards from PE Nation and um, Sally Obermeter from Swish. You know, really, I, if, if it wasn't for Instagram, I wouldn't have been able to reach out to it's these It's such a good way women. to actually uh, chat to people that you admire or want to have a conversation yeah, with. Yeah, I was only speaking to Sally a few nights ago and she said, 
what, like what date are we doing it this year? Let's try and make sure we line it up. So she came down with her daughter and her daughter was behind the table serving food to the homeless. It was, it was really amazing. So I've got really high expectations of myself this year. So I'm super excited. What do you think it gives us when we start to think about others? I would hope, you know, that warm, fuzzy feeling inside of how lucky and blessed you are that how amazing it is to be like really so many people other than the businesses were really just giving time and resources. So it's really just trying to gather up as many people as possible that to give time and resources. And I, sorry, the first year actually going back, I set up a GoFundMe page and were asking, was asking for donations and I hated it because nobody likes asking people for money, right? And we still managed to raise a shitload of money. I think we raised like $6,000, I think, which was awesome. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but can do plenty. Oh my God, we bought like a whole pop-up pantry worth of food. Mm. Um, $6,000 went a long way. But the following year, which was last year, we decided not to do, not to ask for financial donations, but to ask for goods. And I, no joke, like needed a warehouse. Really? So people were so much more generous um, and probably appreciated you know, not another request for a donation, like financial donation. So I got the community involved. I set my entire office up as a pop-up, you know, zone for people to drop off clothes and shoes and food and um, my poor staff and my poor office. Like you were just literally hopping over like tins of baked beans to get to everybody's desk. It was – I thought it was amazing, but it was full on. (laughs) It's just such – I was saying, having this conversation with Paloma, who's a friend of both of ours, about how – She's amazing. Yeah, if we started to actually stop and – I mean, I I challenge everyone listening to actually go, well, what could I do outside of myself to help another person? Um, The empathy that would perhaps be resonated and actually start to change different people's lives. You know what surprises me though? So many people are missing that sensitivity chip. Who said that? Some some celebrity said that about Brad Pitt, I think. Was it Jennifer Aniston that said that Brad Pitt was missing a sensitivity chip? Um, it It was so amazing to me on both ends of the spectrum whilst doing the big Christmas feed at how many people were so incredibly capable of giving so much due to businesses, personal wealth, time that gave nothing or were radio silence and were people I had that were connected to me in one way or another by way of mutual friends or whatever. So it wasn't like a cold connection. Mm. And then there were others that were completely cold connections that did not know me from a bar of soap that sent me $500 worth of Coles vouchers or offered to pay $1,000 towards Orange Sky for my showers, my mobile showers to come. So on both ends of the spectrum, it was so eye-opening to see and almost everyone that said no was so incredibly wealthy that it makes my stomach churn. And the ones that gave so much are just average people like me and my friends that, you know, were so happy to be there and do everything they possibly could. So um, it was such an interesting exercise for me. It's easy to turn a blind eye, mm. definitely. Um, I don't mean to pivot back towards um, the suicide, but... Oh, so, sorry, yep, pivot away. No, it's it was just about, um, as I was obviously, I was going through statistics and according to the World Health Organization, every 40 seconds someone loses their life to suicide. It's crazy. Yeah, and um, as I was sharing your story with a friend of mine, they couldn't comprehend the idea of what would that do to their life. And I know we were speaking just earlier about the impact it had on yours when you lost yeah. your brother. Um, so prior to losing... 
Christopher, I, my best friend, Alicia, who is still my best friend to today, um, and I'll go back to Christopher in just a second, at 37 weeks, 36 weeks pregnant, her husband was killed in a workplace accident. Wow. So that was the very first – oh, I'm going to get upset talking about it. I said I wasn't going to cry. Um, so we lost Jason when Alicia was really heavily pregnant, and that was probably the biggest tragedy I've ever had to deal with. Yeah. Um, and regardless of how I felt – I just had to completely throw myself at Alicia. So between her mother, her sister-in-law at the time and I, we literally would not leave her alone for one single night. Like I basically moved into Mm. her mum's house. We all took turns sleeping next to her every night in the same bed to get up and do feeds with the baby because she literally had to give birth to a newborn, had had Daniel who is like my own son. I love him dearly. So that was the first tragedy I ever kind of had to deal with that was massive. Um, And when that happened, I hadn't, like, I didn't have any time to feel sad about it. I had somebody else to look after. Mm. So um, I threw myself into Alicia and my work, which I obviously couldn't neglect. So that when Christopher passed away, whilst it was an incredible shock, I kind of knew how to deal with grief a little bit better, if that makes sense. It wasn't yep. kind of the very first major tragedy. Clearly it was my brother, so hit a much deeper nerve, if that makes sense. Um, but I threw myself completely into um, work. For memory, I was pregnant at the time, actually. And I'd had my best year ever in real estate because all I did was work like a crazy person because I didn't want to think. Yeah. Because what was thinking about it going to achieve for me? Nothing. Well, I feel like people may be thinking this, at least I know I am. Did did you – because what I find is that if you – if you uh, not ignore, but to a degree ignore um, a situation like that, does it inevitably hit you or was that what you've learned is your coping mechanism? I'm a really strong person. So things don't um, – not that I had to deal with it later if anything both Jason's passing and Christopher's passing made me look at life completely different and I and I think it's funny I've got so many friends and actually my husband to be honest who have never had to deal with God bless them and they're so incredibly lucky had to deal with any kind of tragedy anyone being ill losing Mm. a family member a friend Um, and I think people that haven't had you know some struggles in life or had an experience like that can't necessarily appreciate the world in the same way. I don't gotcha. know. That's my opinion anyway. Yep. So I look at life completely different to somebody like my husband where I – each day is an absolute blessing. I don't like to hold on to anything, you know, having fights with friends or whatever. You just get over that shit. These are people you're going to have in your life forever. Nobody's freaking perfect. Yeah. Business sucks one day and you feel like, you know, you've been punched in the face 35 times but – you can sleep and wake up and tomorrow's a new day. So I kind of have a different attitude about certain things that yeah. there is always somebody in this world that is better, 5, better, 000, better and worse off than you. 5,000 worse, worse off than 5,000 times worse off than you will ever be. So I am, I do still to this day feel so incredibly blessed for everything I have and the family that I have. And yeah, so I just look at things with different goggles, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like you can, I mean, everyone will be able to hear it in your voice. You have a certain zest, a focus, (laughs) just absolute ambition and tenacity, which is what I was uh, thinking about, which is why I think if if women in general 
started to actually bring that out in themselves, we could just start to focus and actually get a lot more done. Come on, girls. Yeah, as opposed to kind of feeling downtrodden and, oh, no, what can I do? Or letting excuses kind of slip us by the wayside. I think some women and some girls underestimate how much men in particular find strong women attractive. My mm. husband may not agree with me when he listens to this, but... What do you mean? <laughs> they do or they don't find strong no, women attractive? they find it attractive. Um, in the way of nobody wants some um, Debbie Downer, sloppy Joe, like lady, woman. I don't know the right words today. My brain's a little bit of mush. But, you know, I think one of the things that attracted my husband to me when we first started dating and probably more so now is... I'm a tough cookie. You know, I think in a relationship, neither of you should ever feel like you um, need each other. You want each other, right? Yes. My husband knows that I don't need him. I love him and I want him. Yeah, you want him around. And I, I love him and I want him around. But if he left me tomorrow, see ya. Like, yeah. like I, I don't need anybody. I'm, I'm tough and I'm an independent woman and, you know, I can make it on my own. And But my husband's exactly the same. So I think... More people need to have that attitude and know their own self-worth. If they don't know it themselves, how's somebody else supposed to value you? Yes. Yes. It's so many things are going through my brain. <laughs> One is especially even in regards to like the terminology you use. It happens with Lisa often where she'll say, um, she'll say, you know, I need you or something like that. And I'll be like, oh, I don't need you, but I really want you. And yeah. she's like, why can't you just say it? And I was like, you know, I'm really specific about the words I use to describe things. And she's like, oh, forget it. Um, have you done a lot of either mentorship or leadership or anything like that? Or these are just qualities that have always been fostered in you? Zero. My dad is as I sort of said before, he's he's been an incredibly successful businessman his whole life and um, he's a tough guy, like mm. brutal to work for. But everybody that he worked everybody that's worked for him, you know, a good ninety percent of them adore him. So I've grown up with a pretty strong work ethic. Like I was working from fourteen. I've worked or studied six days, Monday to Saturday my entire life. Yeah. So, you know, the current generation, I was just recently trying to employ a new staff member and the current generation of wanting, you know, 90 grand a year at 25 years old but only wants to work Monday to Friday from, you know, 8.30 till 6.30. Like, I just, I can't even Yeah, which comprehend. is total bullshit, especially in real estate. Oh, shit. They come in with their, like, Gucci belts and the blown up lips and the fresh blow dry and I just, I just can't deal. I can't. That's not the real world, my love. Yeah. Um. Do, do you find... I mean, obviously you really um, admire your dad. I equally really admire mine. And I was having this conversation with him this morning. I bumped into him in the city and I was talking about, I went to a talk last night about um, fragile masculinity. And what's your opinion on that in regards to, I said to him, he goes, what do you mean fragile masculinity? And I was like, well, you're not really so wonderful at communicating your emotions and feelings, which I think actually made me a bit more resilient growing up. But did you ever have that dynamic with your dad? Or totally. Is, yeah. So um, my dad... He's not the type that will just come to you out of the blue and say, oh, I love you. But I, like he, but I think that's also a bit of a cultural thing, to be honest. So my background's Lebanese. Mm. And um, I don't know if that generation of my father's in terms of growing up, um, they're not super duper emotional. They weren't sh taught to show their emotions all that much. So I think there's a little bit of a cultural play in there too. Yeah. Um, 
But my dad's super affectionate. You know, when I see him, he gives me a big hug and kiss. And still to this day, my dad will kiss me on the lips just by accident because he, he remembers me as like a 12-year-old yeah. and doesn't realize, no, dad, I'm actually I to- 36 I totally years old. get it. My dad's Croatian. Totally understand. So, yeah, dad wasn't great at showing his emotions, but I am to him. So I've never felt like he wasn't giving me anything. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. When he was like, what do you mean by that? I was like, well, you're not really the type of guy that turns around and he's like, I need help. And he just started laughing. And I was 100%. like, I was like, therein lies exactly what I'm talking about. Totally. Um, I was curious that when you started to dive into all of this charity work and things like that, and obviously yeah. with men's health, did it equally make you look at women's health in terms of, I was wondering when it comes to running a company is hard, you're pouring everything you have into it. I'm sure everyone can hear that from this episode, mm-hmm. mentally, emotionally, financially, there's such a weight on your shoulders. Um, what about yourself though? How have you managed your stresses in your life? I'm not very good at doing anything for myself, but that's okay. Um, Again, I think I'm a pretty tough cookie and I actually get so much joy and satisfaction out of making sure everybody else around me is okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Then then that makes me okay. Yeah. So like, for example, last night I got home at, I literally left my office at 12.30 this morning. Yeah. Um, Got home literally very quietly because all of my family are light sleepers, my daughter, my husband and my son. Um, but literally very lightly packed my daughter's school bag at like one o'clock in the morning, laid their clothes out. And my husband makes fun of me because it makes him feel very incompetent sometimes. But I just love to do it. I feel like that's my way of helping because I'm literally going to sleep for three hours and blast straight back out the door again. Right. So I know I don't need to do it, but that's kind of my little way of contributing and making sure everybody else around me, I've done everything I possibly can for you and then I'm out again. How do you maintain that energy and zest? I have to. I have a family to support. But outside of outside of just pure ambition, I mean, like, do you equally make sure that you're always exercising, eating well? Like, do you do all these oh. or you just kind of thrive on... I thrive Focus. on adre- like adrenaline just gets me through. Mm. Shitloads of coffee, gin and tonic at night. Um, my husband is the most incredible support system. Like yeah. my girlfriends will say, oh, I don't know how you do it all. He deserves so much more credit than me because I don't even know how to turn my oven on. Mm. I don't know where my ironing board or my iron is because I haven't ironed anything in I don't even know however many years. Um, my husband is the cook, the cleaner, the taxi driver, the everything, like packs me lunch. So I, I certainly can't take the credit of, you know, putting or, or waving the flag in the air of, you know, I'm superwoman, I do it all. I really don't do much of the house stuff yeah. other than walking in the door and being mum, which yeah. is all I want to do when I walk in the door. I always say, like I talk about it with Lisa all the time, I would be such a bad housewife. I do not cook. I don't even shop for my own clothes anymore that it's become a running joke with our friends. Um, So was that a conversation you had to navigate when you first met? Like I actually couldn't find how long you've been married for because I feel like societal structures are changing in regards to men being stay-at-home dads. I think it's fucking fabulous. But I was curious if you you had to have that conversation if he was a career man. Um, yeah, for sure. So um, m- my husband was – what was Ziggy doing? Um, so my husband was in like car rentals originally when we first met and then um, – so luxury car rentals when people want to hire a Lamborghini or a Ferrari for the day. Yeah, they don't own it, guys. They don't own it, guys. Girls, <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, then when we met, he wasn't really enjoying that, so I told him to try and give real estate a crack, which he liked. And then I was looking for someone to join my team because my business had taken off. And in 2011, I went out on my own as a contractor for the company I'm still with now. 
So um, I was super busy and needed help and didn't really want to financially take that jump in terms of employing anybody yet. So um, Ziggy You're like, just, you're cheap. You're cheap. <laughs> and yeah, he's so handsome. My husband's super handsome, ladies, hands off. Um, so I said, you can come, why don't you come and work with me? We'll set clear boundaries. You do you, I do me. And he knew what he was doing and it totally worked. We worked really well together. Yeah. Um, we were trying to have a baby and obviously then the conversations were, okay, well, if I fall pregnant, what's going to happen then? <laughs> you look at your face. You're like, I'm happy to be a mum, but I don't want to be a mum. I home. can totally carry this little peanut and I can totally push it out. Mm. Not quite sure what I'm going to do with it after that. So we, it was really a financial decision at first and um, I just pure and simply made more money than my husband did. And it just made more sense for me to go back to work. My husband is 150,000 times more patient than I will ever be. So he's a much better father than um, I am as a patient mother. I'm not the patient mother. Um, So that dynamic for us has really worked. Sure, it's had its moments for him, um, you know, feeling like he's lost his identity a little bit and not having that adult interaction. So um, I've been super cautious to try and make sure that I'm looking after him in that respect too. So, you know, we had a nanny that used to come two days a week to give him a couple of hours off to go to the gym, get a haircut, you know, go to the dentist, do all the sort of things you want to do. Go yeah. and sit in a coffee shop for your Just not own. be a parent for three hours. Totally. So I, I, I was really conscious, even though we couldn't afford it that much at the time, that we still it didn't matter we were going to make that work so that he had his own time. Gotcha. Um, and recently we sent him away for two weeks as a bit of a surprise. Who's we sent him away? My, me and the kids. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. We sent him away. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so the kids and I, as his birthday and Christmas present, surprised him. He's really into bodybuilding. My husband trains five days a week, eats super clean. He's like... I have seen photos. He's very handsome. He's super handsome. Yeah. So he's really into bodybuilding and blah, 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 and wanted to go... Had been mentioning these bodybuilding... I don't even know the name of them. Bodybuilding expos in like Vegas and... The States. So we bought him that as his Christmas and birthday present. So he left me for two weeks with the kids solo and I did not know what to do with myself. Right. How did you find that experience? I ate, I put on weight. I ate, <laughs> <laughs> I ate lots of the kids' leftovers, drunk probably far too much gin and tonic, ate too much peanut butter with the spoon in the kitchen, um, and lots See, of you foods. Do you know what's interesting? I, I'm listening to everything you're saying and I feel like there'll be a split with, with the women listening. They'll be like, oh, wow, that's crazy. I couldn't imagine being like that, etc." Whereas I look at the qualities that you have and I just think that's so attractive. Attractive. I love that ambition. I love that you're a woman who is out there being like, hey, I'm not going to conform or pretend like I must conform to the norms. And I just think that's really cool. It's like everyone who says to Lisa and I, are you going to have kids? And I say, well, no, I love children, but I don't think I really want them. And they say, well, you might change your mind. And I go, you also might. Yeah. You know, it's such an odd thing to say to someone as opposed to being like, actually, what about if I started to make decisions that work for me totally. as opposed to what society tell me to do? It's so funny when Ziggy and I, after we had Layla, we did two trips to New York for like a month at a time and she's a brilliant traveler. And we were just so happy actually as a family of three. Mm. And whenever people would ask, and typical being wogs, when are you having the next one? Layla was like yeah. almost three. Where's the football team? And we were like, we're good with one. Yeah. And it was so funny the amount of like strange looks, even from our beautiful friends and family, that we were kind of happy with one. We ended up giving in because she was actually asking for a sibling. Yeah. And then we decided, okay, if she's asking for one, we'll, we'll, we'll give her a sibling. But it's funny that you say, you know, how people sort of, 
Yeah. So judgy. We were even being judged for just having one. It's like, really? Yeah, absolutely. I could just imagine people in the comments and I just think, like, I think it's bloody wonderful that your husband's a stay-at-home dad and he finds his flow with it. And I think that if everyone started to be a bit more – but also I think men's masculinity – can be so challenged with that. I certainly know couples where the woman makes more than the man. And although she looks at it as ours, which is like, you know, when Lisa and I speak about our finances, every promotion is our promotion. Every dollar is our dollar because of the way we've communicated about money. And I find that when there's a, a, a strong husband and it's our money and the, the wife t- generally tends to agree, but when it's the other way around and there seems to be this like, oh, but I should be doing more from the man's point of view. And I just think, but why? If it was the flip reverse, you'd be totally kosher with it. But they struggle with that because they feel they must provide. And I just think, who the fuck made these bad societal constructs that we're living by? Oh, it's, yeah, look, for Ziggy, like I said, has his moments. I don't know if he ever quite feels like that in our dynamic. You know, when we first got together, he had a little bit of money saved and majority of the deposit that we bought our house with was his money. And whilst, you know, my income's essentially paying for the mortgage now, I don't think that in our relationship there's ever been that sort of yeah. question. But he has his moments. But I've just recently gotten him into some modelling and he's landed a few really good gigs and starting to make some, you know. He's like, here's my spare bank account. Total, he's, got his, he's got his own bank account. He paid for his own holiday besides the flight. <laughs> so, you know, he has his independence and I think yeah. we're, I'm always checking in because I think you need to. You know, if I think for one second that he's having an off day, you know, I can sense it instantly and I think – doesn't matter what the dynamic is, you know, if, even if it's the husband at work, husbands that might be listening, check on your wives. Like staying at home, it sucks. Yeah. You, the, the lack of adult interaction and the kids are like little wild animals some days and all you want to do is jump out of the window or stick them in the recycling bin. You know, husbands need to check on their wives. <laughs> I absolutely love the truth in that. <laughs> so when I was speaking with um, a friend of mine who is uh, – she's in her mid-40s, very successful career woman, has two young children, um, has a wonderful marriage, and I was sharing your story. And she said something within those three has to suffer because of the way we as women prioritize. And instead of asking you that question because I feel like you found a balance – Oh, I'm so not balanced. But do you think that you don't, that you're losing in one aspect of your life? Or do you think it's also, as you said, you check in on things and perhaps that's what we could all be doing better? I am. The the only thing I feel like I'm losing, and it's funny, I feel like I've been, I, I've felt it very much so in the last couple of weeks because my workload's picked up incredibly and I've been working past midnight quite a few nights a week. Um, what does suffer, unfortunately, is my time with my kids. Um, so that's not pleasant. And now my daughter's seven, she's starting to complain about it and say, oh, mommy, why will I miss you again? And Mm. do you have to be at work or can you put the phone down and stop doing this? And so she's starting to notice it, which now the mum guilt has just started to kind of kick in a little bit. Um, and when I can, I need to make sure that I can be there. So for example, tomorrow I'm, I've made sure that I can finish up at two and I'm picking her up from school and we're going to Balmoral for fish and chips with some friends and mm. a swim at the beach. So I think it's just making sure I can recognize that because she started to play up a little bit and be a bit sooky, which is very unlike her. So I know she needs mummy. So I just need to make sure that I'm giving wherever's lacking some attention. Um, if that's at the detriment to me and it just means I need to stay up again till two or whatever it is to finish whatever I need to do. Like my kids and my husband are by far number one priority. Business is third. Mm. You know, me is way down the list, but that's okay because 
like because all of that is your list. All of that is my li- that is my world at the top of that list. Mm. If 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 at the top of that list my world isn't okay, then then I'm not okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. Do you think that mum guilt is sometimes full of shit? Totally full of shit. Mums play it up way too much, and I'm just kidding. It look it's it's such a personal thing, right? I think people in um what effect what doesn't affect me could affect you or another woman like I don't everybody doesn't have to be as strong as I am you know we're all different individuals but um I think what I'm doing I make no mistake that what I'm doing is for my children's future I want to send my kids to private school the private schools I have them enrolled in uh right now forty thousand dollars a year and by the time they get there they'll probably be 60 or 80 yeah so kind of crazy it's bananas but that's my goal if I can afford it. I'm not, I don't want to kill myself in the process, um, but that's my goal if I can afford it. And I need to do those things now to set myself up that, that I can give my – I want to buy my daughter her first car. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, take her on incredible holidays. There's no way on God's green earth she's going to Queensland for schoolies. She's coming shopping in Paris or New York with mummy for schoolies. So yeah. I have big dreams and big goals that... I'm like, why were my parents not listening to this? <laughs> <laughs> I went to Queensland for schoolies. It was yeah, gross. So like I just have really big dreams and goals for my kids and I, and I want to give them so much without spoiling them and, and I want her to come and work with me on the weekends like I did with my dad. You do, know. You, do you think that... Like as much because I feel like you might listen to what you've just said and be like, oh, so her children will be spoiled, which I don't think from from the work they ethic will that not you, be. yeah that you instill. How do you equally then make sure that they understand the privilege that they are growing up in? So, um, for example, I was watching my daughter and I like to watch some documentaries at night when I'm home. So we were watching a Bear Grylls episode last night, and they were in some African village and looking at these African kids and that had absolutely nothing, and. Um, my daughter had been a bit sooky on the Sunday wanting a particular toy. I can't even remember what it was, which we didn't let her have. And so I was using the African children on the TV as an example by saying, you know, look at these people, mummy. They don't have YouTube. They don't have iPads because um, we're reasonably strict, in my opinion, on the screen time. Um, I want my children to have lovely things Um but within reason, Layla does a lot of modeling. Like we do a little bit of lifestyle modeling as a family and we had a couple of gigs last week. And so she knows she's earned some money that's going into her bank account. And if she did a good job and she was polite on set and said her pleases and thank yous and Manners. listened to the direction, then she was allowed to spend some money on the Sunday and buy something. So I think she needs to learn while some people may not agree with me pulling her out of school for, I actually pulled her out of school for two days to do two different jobs, one for Qantas and um, one for Big W. My, a couple of my girlfriends threw some funny comments at me, but. Like what? Oh, I just, you know, is that okay that she had two days oh, off school? I just think you, she would have been what, in year two? Okay, this is my opinion. Like how much can kids be learning? It is all about on-the-job training, people. So if I can teach my daughter life skills that, you know, how to speak to adults on set, how to be polite, your pleases, your thank yous, how to carry yourself in public and conduct yourself in public, um, what you need to do and how hard you need to work to earn money, dude, she's not learning that in year one. I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely not. 
I, so I'd ha- I was so happy to take her out of school for two days to make $4,000. So, yeah. you know, if that happens again next week, you can bet your bottom dollar. She's I'll not going to be in school. She won't be at the school for two more days next week. I completely agree. It's like um, people who travel with their children and in really different diverse cultures. I think that it allows you to actually have appreciation for where you live and equally makes you start to understand the world a bit more and you don't have such an ignorant understanding and opinion about things. I think workplace training and learning to be – around people, how to conduct yourself in different environments, how to deal with different personality types. Um, I have always been a firm believer and I think that's maybe why I'm, in my opinion, and not saying that to sort of talk myself up, why I think I'm a great people person is my dad had me working in our car dealership in our family business from 14. Mm. You know, I was sitting at the front desk asking people if they would like a cup of coffee or some water or the newspaper. Makes you interact with people. Totally. Um, and that work ethic of, you know, it's okay to work six days a week it's, and work long hours because that's just what you do if you want to be successful. There's, yeah. So if I can teach my daughter any of those things that my father taught me and more in terms of this generation and how to conduct yourself, I will be a very proud mum. You have a son too. Also. I do. Yes. Anthony, he's three. Do you, I mean, of course he's three, so it's a bit different, but do you think or do you find that you are treating them differently at all or it's? Um, Only because of their age, I think we're a bit firmer on Layla, Um, but I think I'll be exactly the same with Anthony. Mm. I... I, I am such a proud mum when I take them out on the weekends and somebody out of the blue will come and compliment me for the way they're behaving in a cafe or the way that they've said thank you or please to being offered something. Um, we were recently, well, not recently, but, you know, last year we were on a flight um, and we were in business class and I saw, you know, the old lady and the old man roll their eyes when they saw me get on the plane with two kids and... Um, thankfully my kids were, were well behaved. Not and wailing. Not wailing. I would die. But the old lady came up to me at the end of the flight and said, congratulations, your children were like so so beautiful. They could overhear them saying please and thank you to the air hostess and stuff. So that's when I actually have my proud mum moments, not when she brings home her painting from school. Like that's cute and all. But like my proud moments are when my children are good, humble, polite, well-behaved Developing into good human beings. Little human beings that are going to be kind and generous and empathetic. And Mm. if somebody says, hi, Layla, how are you? That she says, I'm well, thank you. How are you? Asking someone back, how are you? Mm. Um, I find um, children, when I speak to a lot of them these days, some of them, they really, they shy away. And I don't know if that's because it's the idea of don't talk to strangers or what that's all about. But some kids are really like boisterous, but a lot of kids are very timid. They'll look at their parents, save me. God, it sounds like I must be such like a child creeper. I actually really <laughs> love children. Um, I have thoroughly loved and enjoyed this chat, Simone. Thank you so much thank for joining you. me. We could talk for hours, but yeah. thank you so much for having me. Before I ask you my final question, where can everyone find you? Usually that's referring to all the social medias, but... Yes, really just my Instagram account's kind of where you'll find all of me, which is at seriously.simone. So my final question, you're standing in front of 10,000 women, you're able to offer one piece of advice, what would you say? Be honest with yourself. If you want to go out there and do something, don't be scared. Just do it. What's the worst that's going to happen? People are going to laugh at you, they're going to I don't know. That was that an even was that even good advice? No, I think I think we could all be a bit more. <laughs> I think we can all start to actually learn who we are to then be honest with ourselves. I think women need to stop being afraid. I'm not afraid of 
What a do lot. you think women are generally afraid of? What people will think of them. Who gives a shit? What do you really what like? Why do you care what the girl you went to school with that you probably don't even want to have catch up and have coffee with, even though you probably bump into them at Bondi Junction Westfield and say, hi, babe, how are you? We should do coffee. And you walk away and you're like, fuck that shit. <laughs> like, why do you really care what that chick thinks of you? you yeah, know? I think though we all, I think we have those moments where you stop and then you're like, does it matter? And then you're like, you find yourself going down that spiral, which is tragic. Uh, I, I don't really care what too many people think of me because I know – I'm a good, really good person and that's when I put my head on my pillow at night and sleep really well knowing that I'm putting good vibes out there and I've done nothing wrong by anybody and I'm honest and I'm kind and just trying to live my life and be good. It's that simple really. Perfect. <laughs> Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Modern Women. If this content is delivering value to you, it would be so helpful and appreciated if you head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher and rate and review us as that helps us build this incredible community. And ultimately, that is what this is all about. Building this community as big as we can to help as many women as possible and all of your ratings and reviews truly help with that. And before I go, a shout out to Chunky Love for the original music and to Mr. Darren Lake over at Podpace for helping me produce this show for all of you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.